as a North Belfast man, it's always a privilege to cross the river and uh, come to the side of the city. And I was just thinking this last week about one previous occasion where I had occasion to come to a, a, a church. I'm not name it. It was this side of the river. That's all I'll say. Um, vacant congregation. It was a children's day as it happened. And uh, I was due to go on the Sunday morning. And one of my colleagues in the office, the Monday before I was due to go, came in and said to me, you're not speaking next Sunday at, and she named the, the church. And I said, yes, how did you know that? Well, she said, outside the church, there is this huge banner, annual Children's Day, special guest preacher, Ian Campbell, in big, big letters. And sure enough, when I turned up the following Sunday, there it was, this enormous poster. I thought at the time of Billy Graham, but in coming, the, the poster wouldn't have been much bigger. Um, maybe there was some reason, some, some particular logic to that. Maybe you thought, well, I don't know him, but maybe I should know him. Maybe I'll go. I don't know what it was. But anyway, I don't remember on that particular Sunday the numbers being any bigger than they would normally be. I'm not sure the size of the poster made very much difference. And of course, why would it? Because it doesn't matter how big the letters are that my name is in, but nobody really knows my name. And you would say the same, I guess. Nobody really knows our names other than the immediate circle of folks in our own family and our own friends. Nobody really knows our name. How different then was this announcement in Matthew chapter 1? An announcement made to a carpenter named Joseph. Troubled as he was, about his betrothed's pregnancy and troubled how to do the right thing. In a dream, he is reassured to marry Mary and then he is to give the child a particular name, a name that had nothing to do with his heritage or his family, but a name that had everything to do with announcing God's saving purposes for humanity. What an announcement it was. Matthew 1 and 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What will you say, I wonder, over the next couple of weeks, if somebody asks you why the name of Jesus is so precious to you? What would your answer be? How would you speak of what Jesus has done for you? Or maybe there's someone here tonight, and the question for you is a little bit different. Maybe actually you're still searching. You're still asking why this name of Jesus is so special. Maybe you've come with friends, or, or you know folks, and when you hear them talk about Jesus, it's reverent, it's tender, it's not done in a jokey way or they're not swearing. And you want to know why. What's special about this name? The name of Jesus. Well, whichever your question is tonight, Matthew 1 and 21 gives to us as surely as it did to Joseph the clearest of answers. Can I leave just two thoughts with you this evening? The first a little bit longer than the second First of all, that Jesus is a name that saves. And secondly, 
Jesus is a name that stands. Jesus is a name that saves. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It doesn't take you to watch very much news or follow it on the, on the phone or however you, you get your news to recognize that the world around us has a very great many needs, and they're real needs. Education and poverty and peace, health. And Christians, of course, have been in the forefront of dealing with all of those for many years, indeed centuries, motivated as we are by a strong biblical conviction and a Christ-like compassion. But this child, announced by the angel of the Lord, this child was not announced as a doctor or a teacher or a diplomat or an economist. The incarnate Son of God, for that's who he was, determined simply to be called Jesus. Yahweh saves. He determined simply to be called Savior. You see, whatever people needed and need today, more than anything else, we need a Savior. That's the clear witness of the Scriptures, isn't it? Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have acted in the way that the psalmist portrays it in Psalms 14 and 53 as fools, saying in our hearts there is no God putting up our hands and pushing God away, as it were, rejecting his rightful place as the king of our lives. And that may be expressed in our lives in terms of the way we do religion, maybe trying to do our best or find a religion that makes us feel good or fulfilled. For others, it means no religion at all, but living for pleasure, doing our bucket list, living while we can because life is so short. Every one of us, apart from Christ, I think is in one of those descriptions somewhere. Either way, we're saying to the sovereign God of the universe that we will not have him as our God. And the Bible calls that sin. And all that follows from it in terms of how we live our lives. And the Bible reminds us that one day we will give an account. Do you remember how Paul describes this when he spoke to the Athenians, Acts 17. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. We need a Savior. And this same God whom we have rejected has come in person, in the person of one whose name is Savior. In Jesus' name, we see this child come to do what we could not do for ourselves, to save us, to deliver us from the certain danger of judgment, having lived a life perfectly and offering that life on the cross as our substitute. The Apostle Peter describes it so powerfully, doesn't he, in 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
By his wounds you have been healed. And so men and women who are dead in their trespasses and sins are made alive in Christ. Those who are far away are brought near. Those who are bound for a lost eternity in hell are instead given an inheritance that's reserved for them in heaven. How? Because of Jesus, the one whose name is Savior. Jesus is the name that saves. The announcement that the angel gave here to Joseph is the best, most wonderful news imaginable to a world that needs to hear it and to know it. It's wonderful news. But will you see that it comes with two warnings that we must not miss? The first is this, that he is not one of many saviors we could call on or take or leave as we wish. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save. In the original text, the experts tell us it's an emphatic expression. It means he and no other will save you from their sins. There's no mistaking our need of a Savior. It's our greatest need. But neither can we be mistaken that the Lord Jesus is the only one in whom we can find that greatest need met. There is no one else in him and only in him. The world says the answer to our needs is to campaign and reform and change things for the better. Religion says we should do our best to reach up to God and to please him so that he may take notice of us and have favor toward us. But this announcement of the angel says no. The name of this baby says no. We can't even begin to reach up toward God. So the name of Jesus and only his name is the one in which we are saved. That's why Peter tells the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Notice that he is the only Savior. And then the second thing that we mustn't miss either is that the good of this salvation is to his people. He will save his people from their sins. His people. Who are they? Well, again, Peter helps us this time at Pentecost. He declared, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Acts chapter 2. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. His people are the whoever calls on the name of Christ. Not members of some exclusive club that it might be too expensive for some of us to, to join. It's not tied to social standing or special favor. No, this whosoever is for all who have sinned and recognized their need and called upon his name to be saved. Actually, it's not a club at all that we join when we're brought to Christ. It's a family that we're adopted into. It's a kingdom that we're made citizens of. Jesus is the name that saves. Can I ask you tonight, have you recognized your most pressing need? That you owe a debt to God for your rebellion and sin that you can never repay? Can I ask tonight, have you called upon him whose name is Savior to meet that need? One who alone made that extraordinary journey from the splendor of heaven to earth itself. One who alone was obedient to death, even the death of the cross, in your place and in mine. So that the Apostle John 
could include you and me when he wrote in 1 John 2, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Jesus is a name that saves. And then secondly, will you notice here that Jesus is a name that stands. A name that stands. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Note the absolute certainty of that promise. There are no doubts and there are no qualifications. And perhaps in today's world, that's something that's a wee bit hard for us to grasp. We're not used today to certainty. In fact, maybe some might say that we're not really conditioned for it in our society. It doesn't suit us to be too certain about things, to be too concrete or black and white. But you know this in your own life and your own experience. Sometimes you need help. Maybe something's broken in the house and you need somebody to come to, to fix it, or the car's broken down, or something practical like that. And you call someone to come and they say, oh, but they're at a certain time and they don't turn up. Or it's not fixable. And maybe you cry in those circumstances, where were you when I needed you? Because you didn't come. Or maybe in this celebrity-driven world, we're used to names being very big for five minutes and then they disappear. We're not sure why they were big in the first place and we're not sure where they disappeared to, but that's the way society seems to be. Or maybe if you're of a certain age, you lament the passing of certain brands and names on the high street and trusted institutions that you thought would be there forever. Whatever it is, we're conditioned to think that nothing's certain, that nothing lasts forever. And it might be that we worry a little bit that the same could also be true if we place our trust in Christ. Maybe he will lose interest, lose patience. Maybe there's something we can do that would detach us from our salvation. But you know, none of those experiences that we've just described that you and I are familiar with in our own world, none of them are true of the one whose name is Savior. He will save his people from their sins. It reminds us of the absolute and eternal significance of his name. None of those other things last forever because they come and they go. But here is one whose name is of eternal significance. His name will never disappear. Psalm 72, for example, a coronation psalm. It presents a, a portrait, if you like, of an ideal king that looks to Jesus for its fulfillment. Listen to verse 17. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun that's the key to knowing that when we are brought to Christ, when we call upon his name to be saved, that he will save us and keep us for eternity. His name will not fade. His power will not fail. And his promises will not be forgotten. Far from it. This name is one that one day will occupy 
the place of highest honor. We'll sing about this in a moment. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is, that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. On that day, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess his lordship. Every individual will acknowledge his name. And that includes every religious, arrogant soul that laughed or derided or ignored him. That day is the day when his name is lifted up before all creation. What a name it is. It's a name that will stand. And if you're trusting in him for salvation tonight, as I trust you are, then you may stake your very eternity on him and on that name. A name that saves. A name that stands. When I was thinking about that poster this side of town during the last week, I did smile. I'm sure you would have smiled had it been you as well. It was a kindly thought, no doubt but it wasn't really going to make much difference. My name is just like every other name. Never heard of and certainly not to be remembered. But just as we close tonight, can I ask you, what do we think of Jesus' name? What do we think of? How will you answer that question? Why is it so precious? Christmas often presents a nativity bearing little resemblance to the gospel records. A harmless, cozy baby. That suits the world, doesn't it? Not wanting to be reminded of his name or the claim that his name makes. Not wanting to be reminded that his name was an announcement of divine intent to enact God's plan of salvation. A plan set in eternity past through his son and captured perfectly in his name. It doesn't matter whether anybody's ever heard of you or me or if they ever will. It really doesn't. But nothing matters more than hearing, receiving, and cherishing the name of Jesus. Because in him, on the basis of his name alone, is your sin forgiven and eternity secured. So whatever else may occupy us over the next week or two, today is the day to seek him to make sure tonight that you've done business with God, that you're in his family, that you've trusted in his name. For to do so is to be saved, not just for the years of time alone, how many or few those might be, but for all of eternity. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen.